Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, thank you, Daniel Ashley, for your story today. And we are in week two of a series called Heart for the House. We're really talking about how God wants to capture our hearts for not only the homes that we live in, our actual houses, but the church house as well. And so those of you that get a little nervous when we start talking about money, I, I compared this last week to we're going to be talking about the three laws of physical balance, and I have this little pipe here, and see if I can balance this thing here, and the reality is, if I can look at this top part called the reference point, I can balance it, but as soon as I look away, as soon as I look down at my feet, it's really hard to continue to balance this deal. And so as we talk about this, you can go to Lexi.info, go to message notes, you can follow along uh, there in the sermon notes. And so the first law of balance is what we call the reference point, right? It's looking at that reference point, identifying what that is, and we talked about how we can keep our personal finances balanced if we're looking at that. And we talk about the reference point being always knowing, keeping your eye on your money and know where it's going, all right? So fill in the blank. You need to be knowing where all your money is going. Good job, everyone. I don't know if you remember that or it just rhymes so it's easy, all right? So, and so uh, the third one here, I'm going to skip number two for a second, is, is called having a clear objective. So when I am balancing this pipe, my clear objective is to keep this pole vertical. Just like when you are walking across a river or something or a creek or whatever, and you're trying to balance yourself, your clear objective is to, it's to get across there. Talked about last week, if you get pulled over by the police late at night, and you've got to walk that line, your clear objective is to walk the line and get to go home in your own car that night, all right? And so we talked about last week as well, just a quick little recap. It's not, the objective is not how much money can you make. It's not spend all you can spend. It's not even save all you can save. It's not even give all you can give. It's not even just to provide for your family financially, all right? We discovered that everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. Everything is distributed or dispersed by God to you. And so constantly we discovered, included last week, that the overall financial objective is to honor God with everything that we have. Not just a percentage, whatever that percentage may be for you that you give, but to honor God with everything that you have. To honor God with your stuff. To honor God with everything that requires, as we saw last week, Kind of a defining moment in your life where you say, God, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to surrender all of this to you. I want to honor you with everything that I have. The middle one, the one that I skipped over for a second, when you're balancing something, the second law of balancing, physical laws of balance, is constant correction. So when I'm doing this, I'm correcting here. I'm correcting my other hand. I'm making these constant adjustments, these constant corrections. Because you have to have all three or you're not actually balanced in this and in your finances as well. If you guys ever watch like Cirque du Soleil or Acrobats or whatever, they, they know this. They find, they make constant corrections. If they don't, they die. So it's a little more important for them, right? So for so the rest of our time together, I want to talk about today just one constant correction that we can make in our personal finances. And if we don't, it will leave us unbalanced in our lives. And so if we ignore any of the three, you're unbalanced. And so... Um, in the world of personal finance, we don't always know that immediately, though, that we're unbalanced. We know eventually. We know at the end of a stage or a season of life. Oftentimes, we won't discover it until it's too late. And if I had a week, if I had more weeks to discuss this, I would talk through a lot of things. But today, we're going to just discuss one of these things, specifically just the use of debt. Not necessarily talking about corporate debt or business debt today, but more of just consumer debt. Let me begin the discussion by this way. All of us are impacted by our family of origin. So how you were raised and how your parents viewed money directly impacts the way that you view money today in a couple of different ways. 
Like one, you may have loved the way that your parents handled money and now you emulate that. Some of you, you may have been offended or you hated the way your parents managed or mismanaged the money. And so now you ran the opposite extreme to what your parents did. It usually falls in one of those two categories. So answering that question for you today, how did your family manage and talk about money and how has it impacted you as an adult? Either influenced negatively or positively because we don't really come into this with a blank slate, honestly. We come in and we've seen patterns and we emulate or we go the opposite extreme. If you were raised in a home where money was never discussed, chances are you came into adulthood thinking, well, this will be so easy. If I'm smart enough to make money, then I'll be smart enough to manage money. And that's not always the case. I know for my wife, Ashley and I, like we were raised differently in terms of the way our parents viewed money. But the one thing that both of our parents agreed on was that they really did kind of coach us up to honor God with everything. They coached us up to what it looked like to tithe. I, I remember my high school job, my first paycheck, I was like, oh, 10% of $120, so I have to give $12? Does God really need 12 bucks? I remember having to start that process early. And then since then, every year since, and 22 years of marriage, we've always done that. Because it wasn't, it was a non-negotiable for us. We decided early on that this was something that we were going to be obedient to. Because we're accountable to God for every area of our life, including money. But that doesn't change the fact that I can just be as materialistic as anybody else in the room. I still want what's shinier, better, faster, bigger. I still want all of those things. And so for me, I have three goals for myself financially and for our family every single year. I don't have them posted on a whiteboard. They're mostly just internal, but these are things that I know. And here they are. Number one is this. We're going to give a percentage of our money every single year. For my wife and I, it's at least 10%. It changes every year depending on where we're at financially. But we're going to give at least 10%. That's to the church. That's to missionaries. It's to other people um, that we decide to do that with. The second one is we save. We, we're Dave Ramsey people. We have an emergency fund. We have stuff. If stuff goes wrong, we don't have to go crazy. We have some money there set aside to take care of that stuff. And then we put away a little bit of money for retirement. We, I wish I would have started that earlier. I started that about 15 years ago, but now we fully fund a Roth IRA, and that's what we do. And that's the second one, save. And the third one that we're talking about today, it's just stay out of debt. We spent our first five years of marriage, we're those crazy people. We didn't go on a single vacation besides visiting family. We paid off all of our student loan debt. It was a lot. It was a lot of money. We paid off our cars. We got to a point where we were only, our only debt is our house. And then since then, it's been a challenge to stay that way, to stay out of debt. But every year I tell myself, we're not getting into any more debt. It's just going to be the house. And we stuck to that. And so I have to keep it in front of me because I know that you, what you know as well, that with the use of debt, responsibly or irresponsibly, in a moment with a signature, I can bump up my standard of living with one signature. My standard of driving, my standard of vacationing, my standard of what we live in, I can, what we have inside of our house. I can bump it up with one signature. As tempted as anybody in the room is to use credit to do that. So one of my goals that never changes is just stay out of debt. And every year something tempts you, right? Dare I say crypto? Sorry, that hurts for some of you, okay? Stay out of debt. And with all that said, the transition that I want to talk about today is there are essentially two ways, right? Other than winning the lottery or somebody wealthy dying and giving you a large inheritance, Two ways to upgrade your standard of living. One is to save and invest and work your way up. The other is using debt. 
Because again, with a signature, without, with filling out a form, you can immediately live at a higher standard of living. One system is fast. One system is slow. One system brings peace. And one system brings woe. Okay, it rhymed. That's why I said it, all right? And we've all been there, right? We've made those decisions where, and I, I've been there. One time I bought something online. It was actually a car. I got scammed. I lost the car and the money. Okay, we've all been there in those places before, in those moments of woe. But now on the other side of this debt where we only have our house debt, I just say it's a much better place to live. It's a much more peaceful place to live because I'm not in the enslavement to the debt. All right, so you guys do me a favor right now. Everybody close their eyes. Close your eyes, don't look around. You don't have to be right, I just want you to participate, okay? Close your eyes, don't look around, but right now, with your eyes closed, everybody point where you think north is right now. Point where north is. Point north, don't look around, don't look around. Keep your eyes closed. Now keep your hand pointed, but not open your eyes and look at everybody around you. You're all, you all can't be right, right? You're all pointing in different directions. Let me get my compass out on my iPhone here, all right? North is right there. Were you right? Some of you, good job, good job, good job, good job. All right, here's the deal. The Bible is our compass. It points us to true north. Some of you are, well, not true just then, all right? It defines truth regardless of how we feel. So the, to the extent that we disagree with God's word, how do I say this lovingly? You're just wrong. We have a responsibility to act on the truth in every area of our lives, including what the Bible says about debt. The Bible is full of information specifically about personal finances and even more specifically about the use, the improper and improper use of debt. I guarantee you that if we'd all been adhering to the, what the Bible says about money our whole lives, we'd probably be in a lot different place than we are today. So what I wanna do is I wanna show you four verses from scripture today, all from the Old Testament, that speak directly to the issue of debt. And my goal is to inspire you to kind of come up with a plan and, are, and get rid of consumer debt if you can, because you will be free and you will have more peace in your life. The first one is in a book that maybe you haven't read that much. It's the book of Deuteronomy. Let me tell you about the first before I read the verse to you. So God was leading the nation of Israel into what we would call the promised land or the holy land. And he made a deal with them. And Moses announced the deal to the people. The deal went like this. God said, if you will obey me, if you will follow me, then I will bless you. I will bless your land, your crops, your babies will be bigger and fatter and happier, your cows will be produced uh, faster, the wheat will grow taller, the rains will come. I'm going to bless your land if you obey me and follow me. But if you disobey me, then I'm not going to do that. Because I want the world to look at Israel and go, whoa, who in the world is their God? That was the goal. So he, God had a conditional relationship with Israel in this capacity. And part of his deal with Israel had to do with debt. Now listen to this verse, it's powerful. It sets the stage for the whole conversation today. This is the promise to Israel in Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but, you, but will borrow from none. So as part of my blessing, God says, you will be in position to be a lender, but not the lendee. 
The evidence of my blessing on, on you is that you will have the margin to lend, but you will never be in debt to other nations. That from a biblical, biblical perspective, when a person is in a position to have to borrow, it's because typically things aren't going so well for them. Now the trap that we so easily fall into in our culture is, hey, things are going so well for me. Look at all the borrowing power I now have. I can borrow more and I can get more and I can have more. Now it wasn't always this way in our country. Some of us remember there was a day that when you wanted to buy a washing machine, you went to Sears, right? Or the hardware store and you said, I want that washing machine but I can't afford it yet. So can you take that washing machine, can you put it in the back of your warehouse and I'm gonna give you $100 today but I'm gonna come in every week and give you $100 more until I can eventually take home the washing machine and that was called what, older people? Layaway, Layaway. thank you. Under 30, you're all like, uh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would you not just swipe the card and take it home that day? Think about this today. If you went to the Toyota dealership and you wanted that brand new Tacoma, or you went to the BMW dealership and you wanted that sick X5, right? And you went in there and you said, hey, I'm gonna give you $1,000 today. Could you guys take that X5? Could you put it in the back of the lot? Could you cover it up for me? And every month I'm gonna bring you a thousand more dollars till I paid for this in like four years, right? And then I'll get my four-year-old car. And they're like, no, how is this? This is stupid. It doesn't benefit us at all, right? But there was a time in our country when if you had debt, it was evidence that things weren't going well for you. So people avoided it like the plague. In fact, they would put things on layaway. Now the cool thing about layaway, think about this, when you make the final payment on layaway, the thing you purchased is still brand new. In our system, by the time you make your last payment on something, you don't even know where it is half the time. It's in the basement, you gave it away, you, you ate it, I don't know. It's not returnable, it's not refundable, it's not shiny, it doesn't smell like leather anymore. You're already thinking about trading it anyways. But that's the system that we live in. Scripture, God says, why would you want to be in debt? Being in debt is, is evidence that you aren't Things aren't going that well for you. Now, the reason that's the biblical perspective is that God knows something that eventually that we will learn, and unfortunately, we usually learn it the hard way. In the second verse in Proverbs, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. There are no qualifications. God says this to the wisest man in the world. Solomon had more wealth than all of us combined times 100 in this room. Solomon says, you know what? As I observe the world, here's what I observe. Whether anyone owes, whether, whenever anyone owes someone else, whether it's an individual organization or nation or whatever, they become in some capacity a slave to that nation, organization, or person. So consumer debt, you generally buy stuff that isn't worth what it's worth even when you pay for it. At least in business, you're creating value, creating something, Right? You borrow money, create something of greater value. But even with business debt, we still have responsibility to the lender, right? If things don't go well, if you're a business owner, they don't go well, what happens? The bank comes and they talk to you, right? Then your business becomes their business and they're trying to tell you what to do with your business when it's really none of their business, right? And that's what happens in that moment. So whether it's debt that we got into willingly, which is the case for most of us, or debt that you found out, found your way into accidentally because of something bad that happened to you or you had a bump financially, either way, this first is absolutely true. As you read scripture, here's the attitude of your heavenly father. He's saying, 
look, I want you to be free to follow me. You can be enslaved to this or you can be a servant of mine, your heavenly father who loves you. Can't continue to be in bondage to these other things. Strange thing about it, we don't simply sell ourselves into that kind of slavery. We purchase and consume our way into personal slavery. And your heavenly father's going, why would you do that? Why, don't, why would you do that to yourselves? Why would we limit your own freedom? Why would you give up the peace that comes with knowing that nobody can put their nose in your business because it's none of their business? Why would we give up that up for stuff, for status, to compete with people that we really don't even know that well anyways? for trends that are gonna change in six months anyways? And the answer is because we lack something. Oftentimes it's very much a spiritual component of our lives. Two little words, something that's usually hyphenated, we lack self-control. The reason, reason that most Americans are in an insane amount of debt, in spite of our current situation and inflation and all the things, this stuff happened a long time ago, right? If we bought into the lie that since things are going so well, we can behave this way, we can borrow more and take on more, and we lack the self-control. We wake up one day and we have all this debt in front of us. And to get on a soapbox for just a second, my generation and younger, we saw our parents spend decades building their wealth and investing and being smart so they could have these certain things, but we want them today. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to put the time and we don't want to take the time to say we want to go, no, I can get it now. I'll just borrow and I'll just do this. Talk about a word picture. Look at this next verse in Proverbs 25, 28. It should motivate us to make some changes. It says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. This is true of self-control in any area, morally, relationally, professionally, academically, in your physical, taking care of your body, but especially in finances. He says this, here you are, you're like the commander of a city, and you're defending yourself against your enemies, and you stored up food, and you stored up water, and you're defending the walls, and things are going fine, and suddenly your enemy, he pierces your outer defense system. And suddenly the enemy is among you and before long you find yourself enslaved to whoever it was you were defending yourself against before. The writer of Proverbs says that this is what happens when we lack self-control. By not exercising self-control, you give over control to your enemy. We give of our control to someone else. Now a portion of our emotions, a portion of our stress and all that is controlled by somebody else. There's a reason that like the number one reason for divorce is financially based. Because it stresses us out, right? Because you know where our heart is there, our treasure is as well. Now we've given up control and in many cases our decisions we made to someone else and we don't even know them or like them or know their name in order to drive a different car, have a better house, go to better parties, whatever the thing is. And my question is why do we give up our freedom? We've lowered our defenses. We lack self-control, the discipline stuff there, right? That's what we find in the Old, the Old and the New Testament. Get out of debt because with personal, especially consumer debt, you've done something to yourself. You have given up control, given up your peace. But this is a broken-hearted father saying to a nation of Israel and then to us who are trying to follow God and those of us who are following Christ, it's a broken heavenly father saying this, just come on out of that. Get rid of that. Get out of that. And the last compelling reason today 
to take this seriously is that something that every one of us has experienced to some extent or another. When we're enslaved because of debt, we're enslaved because of how we live, our standard of living, what we wear, what we drive, what we eat, where we party, how we try to impress people. It impacts severely our ability, not our desire, but our ability, not our willingness, but our ability to be generous. How many times have you attended church and you hear a pastor talk about being able to give to this cause or give to this thing or give to this mission or give to these values or whatever it is, and you think, I really want to give to that. Then you're thinking about, but I got to pay this and I got to do this. Or maybe you're at your workplace and there's this great cause that you want to give to and you really have the desire. But you don't have the margin because we're paying all these other things instead. And these groups that I'm talking about, creditors and stuff, they don't know your name. They impact your, not your willingness, not your desire, but your ability to be as generous as you want to be. So why would you spend another day unnecessarily in that kind of bondage to a group? And these are wonderful organizations. We use them as well. If you work for the organizations, love you, all right? But why would you allow your decisions to impact your ability to be as generous as you want to be? Why is it you can't give to people in need because you've spent so much on stuff that we don't need? I don't care what culture and peer pressure says how we feel God of Scripture says, come out of that. Let's deal with it. This is an adjustment. This is a constant correction that we can make so we can be balanced in our lives. Because here's the reality. We drift into debt, but you have to dig your way out of it. You can get into debt really quickly. I can get into debt really quickly by just one signature, by with one decision, but we have to dig our way out of it. And the problem isn't finding tools, there's great tools out there. It's having the discipline and the self-control to actually do that. And what's cool is every time I've seen a person, a couple, a family make that hard decision that we are going to get out of debt, we are going to make the sacrifices. Here's what God does. When he sees your heart, when he sees your discipline, he comes alongside you and he says, I love your effort. I want to partner with you on that. And almost every time what happens is, Someone tells me a story of, I don't know how it happened, but my paycheck was all of a sudden bigger. I got this crazy bonus. Someone dropped off money in my mailbox. It was the craziest thing. All of a sudden, this bill got less or whatever, and that's the way God works when we have an attitude that we say, God, I want to honor you with everything. I want to get out of debt. I want to be responsible. And so we have a resource for you guys. We, we have a class called Financial Peace University. We just call it FPU. It it's starting in February, and February 10th. You can go to lexi.info and sign up for that if you want to. But it's a great way just to get into that class and learn these principles. I'll give you just some really quick ones from Dave Ramsey. It's a little sample. These are five actions to break the chains of debt. Number one is this. He just says, quit borrowing money. It's like when someone tells you, like, give me some advice, and you're like, I don't know, stop doing that. Like, this is like the same thing, right? Just quit borrowing money. But once you take that step, you're going to be tested some financial need or some financial want will happen and, it, and it'll rise and you have to stick with it. Number two, save money. Build an emergency fund. Ramsey says to build $1,000. It's, it's one of his baby steps, one of the seven baby steps that you can take. So you don't have to borrow money if something goes wrong. Number three, sell stuff. These could be big ticket items, like maybe you want to sell one of your children. I don't know. Don't sell the one that can earn you money, though. Be smart about it, right? 
But maybe you have some big ticket items. Facebook Marketplace is great. Sell some things, right? This is a great way to, to kind of hit, hit the debt snowball there, all right? Because sacrifice is a necessary part of getting out of debt. Number four, get a part-time job. Your income is your greatest financial tool. It can raise your income with a second job, even, for, even just for a little while. It's why I Uber on the weekends. It's also kind of fun. I'm an extrovert. At the same time, my kids are expensive. They play sports, they do all these things. This is how we pay for those things and don't have to go into more debt because I do that on the side. And the last one, the most important one, is just pray. Prayer really works. Your heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills too. He cares about you. He cares about meeting your needs. He's not mad at you about your situation. He loves you. He just misses you. He wants you to talk to him about your finances. And obviously I'm a Christian, but I don't know how this, all this stuff works. But I've seen God move in this area time after time after time when we say, God, I want to honor you with everything. Because the reality is, it isn't just a matter of can we manage it. Most people can manage it for a certain period of time or a certain stage of life, but then the big bumps, big bumps come along and they become unmanageable. But we can change that. If I handed you a candy bar and I said, well, there's just a little bit of poison in this, how much of the candy bar would you eat? Are you gonna try to eat around the poison and guess where it is? You're like, no, I don't wanna mess with any of that. It's the same issue with consumer debt. Why would we wanna put ourselves in that place? So my challenge today is, would you get a plan? Would you kind of have a come to Jesus meeting with God where you say, okay, I've never really thought about this as a spiritual issue before, but apparently it is. Would you be transparent with people you can trust and invite them into the process? Would you decide today, well, you're saying, I don't know, Zach, this is a really hard time of the year. It's a hard time of the year all the time, but it's the best time of the year to start this conversation. To say, God, I don't want to be a slave to the lender anymore. I might have less stuff, but I may be at more peace. I may be able to actually not just have the desire, but the ability to be generous. Maybe you'll look back and you won't remember this whole message, but you remember that moment where you in your own house just sat before God and said, God, I want to get this part of my life right. Because I know this is a spiritual issue in my life. And as one of the pastors here, for those of you that attend regularly, I just want this so badly for you. But you have to want it for yourself as well. Maybe this is the first time that you've seen this in the spiritual context, but the good news is your heavenly father, he's rooting for you. He wants this for you. He wants to walk you through this. And my hope and prayer is that six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, there'll be tons of stories of singles, college, young marrieds, older marrieds, whoever you are, whatever stage of life that you're in. Will you say, I made a decision at the end of 2022. This is gonna become a spiritual part of my life. And I want to walk through this. I promise you a decision that you'll never regret. Let's pray today. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you care about all parts of our lives. Not just our relationships, 
not just our workplaces, God. You care about everything. God, thank you for what your word says about these things in our lives. Even though that maybe today they're hard to hear. God, I pray for those that this message has been hard or maybe even annoying uh, to them, God, that you, your Holy Spirit, would just find a place in their lives this week to have some great conversations. And God, I pray those conversations would turn into behaviors and actions, and God, that you would do amazing things. So God, we, as a church, we give this part to you. God, we wanna have a desire and the ability to be generous to the things of you. God, we love you and praise you. It's your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.